This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Oh yeah, do you want to move on to that that last question? I feel like it's sure. a bit... It's, it's, it's... Yeah, I think it's a nice way to end. It's the 24th of October, 2019. I'm Benjamin Riley. And I'm Simon Copland. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this is, in fact, our uh, our last episode. Yeah, as you may have noticed, it's been a couple of months since we've released an episode. Uh, over this period, Ben and I have been talking about our own capacity and drive to continue with this project, and have decided, a little reluctantly, uh, that the time has come to hang up the microphones. We've both really enjoyed making the podcast. It's been a huge part of our lives for the past, what, like almost four years now? Yeah, um, four years, yeah. Yeah, but our, our view throughout the project has always been that we could, uh, we'd only keep it going as long as we thought that the enjoyment and what we were getting out of it outweighed the... Fr- frankly, extraordinary amount of work that we put into it on a on a um, on a weekly basis. With Simon getting to the pointy end of his thesis and work and studies becoming extremely busy for myself at the moment, I think we've crossed over that threshold. This we think probably doesn't necessarily mean the end forever. Uh, we are keeping the door open for the potential that we may get the energy back in the future and reinvigorate things. Uh, we may think of new and different ways to keep this project going. But for now, we think Queers is coming to a close. So, for example, we're going to keep the RSS feeds up. If you continue to subscribe to the podcast, uh, other episodes might pop up at some point in the future if we decide that we've got the time and we want to do something. But uh, for now, this is the end of our regular scheduled episodes. So today we wanted to wrap up with a, a general discussion reflecting on what we've done. What was the point of this podcast? What have we learned? What have we achieved, if anything? Um, what's changed in queer politics uh, over the past four years and our own position since we started making this podcast? And has any of it, uh, or hopefully some of it, has been for the better? So, Simon, let's get started. How how are you feeling about this all? Look, it's uh, I'm feeling okay about it. It's it's. I think we just started chatting about this just before we recorded uh, that it's it's sad, obviously, and I think the main thing I'm going to miss is our is our fortnightly chats. It's always nice to catch up with you and have these chats, but it's like those TV shows uh, that you don't want to end when after like a year or two of really dragging it out and doing it. You know, <laughs> you don't want to be. We don't want to be the Simpsons, Ben. We don't want to be the Simpsons, and you know, go years longer than than our use by date. And I think that we've probably decided to do this at the right time. I'm still. I still like the podcast, so it's nice to end when you still like like the podcast and you still in, enjoy having these conversations. Because I think that if we went into next year, I'm, you know, like writing, you're starting to write my thesis and it's quite stressful. I know things are stressful for you at work. I feel like if we kept going, uh, there's a real chance that I would start resenting it. And that is not what I want. Yeah, uh, totally. Well, it so, it's not going to make for good podcasts, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I just think that this is probably the right decision for us to make at this point in time. And I mean, even we even started talking about, we were talking initially about going until up until Christmas. And I'm glad that we've decided not to do that. Because I think <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, I'm kind of ready at this point in time to have a break to to let it be and to to enjoy what we've done. 
and and to to move on from that and you know as i said we you know there's a real there's a chance that we could get energized again in the future you know i never want to close the door of working with you ever again <laughs> it's not the point today but i think that <laughs> it's nice to you know to say okay well this, this at this point of time this is what we need yeah totally i think it was one of those things where it the decision felt like it had been hanging in the air for a while and then as soon as one of us brought it up we were both just totally on the same page so that so that was good to be in that in that space together and it is yeah i mean you know it is sad but it it does feel like the right time and as i think we we do talk about a bit on the podcast sometimes i mean this is just a huge amount of work and simon and i've both got a lot of other stuff going on and there reaches a point with a project like this where you have to decide whether you want to put a heap of extra work in it to, to turn it into something new and something like, I don't know, I'm trying not to say take it to the next level because that sounds cheesy and cliched, but essentially take it to the next level or decide that you just don't don't have that time. And, and I think we've realized that we that we don't have that time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like, I mean, we, one of the things we've, we've spoken about is that, you know, the, the bare bones of recording an episode, that's an hour or hour and a half out of our mornings once every two weeks. Uh, but then it's the editing of that episode, it's the promotion, it's the putting stuff out on social media, it's the managing all of that. You know, there's no point having a podcast if people aren't listening to it. Uh, and mm. so there's all this work to do to, that goes around that. And we've just found, I've found that that's in, been really difficult uh, increasingly, just to find the time to do that work, to sit down and to have the energy to do it. And I think that uh, it's the kind of difference between, you know, we could have a chat once every couple of weeks and that would be lovely. And I probably think we will keep chatting, you know, mm. and doing this stuff. But there's sort of the extra extra level of work that it comes to then to, to turn that into a proper podcast is really quite hard. And I think that uh, that is that's kind of the stuff that we just, we realise we just don't have the time for at this point of time. It's all the bloody admin, Simon. Oh, I know, it always is. Yeah. Um, so with, without, I guess, making this an overly masturbatory conversation, which I think is there's always a risk with this sort of thing. Because Look, it's I, I our think, last episode. Why can't we just masturbate? Well, together? yeah, no, you're right. Let's uh, let's have a mutual wank for for uh, forty minutes and uh, and call it a day. Um, you know, some might argue that that's what we've been doing for four years, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll tone, tone it down a bit, perhaps for this one, or, or or tone it up. Tone it up, yeah. I think tone it up is the real way we should be doing it. But I think what brought us together really is is a shared interest in critique uh, as an idea and really questioning some of the dogmas of of queer politics and LGBTI politics and wanting to always come from a place of questioning what we think and what others think and and trying to always shift the ground under our feet a little bit to 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 be finding new ways of thinking and and coming to new conclusions and and that's something I've found really exciting doing with you and so I think that uh, hopefully this this last reflection here will will still embody the spirit of, of critiquing what we've done and thinking about I don't know where our thinking might even go in the future it's also really worth saying that Simon and I barely knew each other when we started this uh, mm. and it, it's kind of funny to think I about think now like. Totally. We we met through the Star Observer when both of us were columnists there at the same time and just qu- kind of caught up and, and realized that, that we, we clicked in that particular way. And I, I almost feel like th- this 
this podcast is in lots of ways the story of us just kind of becoming friends and getting yeah, to Yeah, it really each is. Other. Like, it really is. And I think that you can see that in the first, like, episodes. Not that, totally. I, would ever, <laughs> not that I'd ever go back and listen to them ever again. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of, they're very much more um, rigid and, you know, one of us talked, then the other one talked, and then the other one mm. talked. There's mm. no interruptions. There's no, like, back and forth because we just didn't really know each other very well. Um, and I think that we still have some files somewhere. I might still have some files somewhere from episodes that we never released uh, that we mm. tried, like in the first before we properly started this thing, uh, which would have been even more the same. But um, I think it's I, I totally agree that like it's been nice to sort of uh, develop our friendship as we've gone along the way and then also realize like where we uh, disagree and where we have differences and and sort of feeling comfortable engaging with that more and more. Mm, and I think definitely. that's been really nice as well. Totally, because I, th- I almost feel like that's the biggest thing that's changed over the years is that I think early on, for, for me in particular, I found our disagreements really confronting in some ways, yeah. uh, like when we would have episodes where we, where we would really be coming from a different position. But I think it's, I don't know, I guess it's as simple as w- w- there's just a lot more trust in the relationship now. And so, we can have episodes where we are coming from really different places and that's productive rather than a block to to something. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So thinking about some of the discussions that we've had, do you do you have some things that particularly stand out? I guess not just favorites, but also kind of turning points perhaps where you feel like the podcast did really become something new or something uh, different or more interesting? I think I will always... One of the earlier episodes, actually, um, I think one of the things that we first disagreed on was on the notion of family and the community in queer spaces. Mm. Um, and that is something that has sort of stuck with me ever since that we sort of first disagreed upon it, like about... And it actually happened in an episode about RuPaul's Drag Race, and we were talking about... I think we were talking about things we love in gay culture, and we were talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. And I mentioned that uh, I really like the sort of family-oriented nature of it, and you sort of immediately reacted to that quite negatively. And I was like, oh, I was quite confronted by that at the time but it's it's one thing that has stuck with me and thinking about what does it mean to be family what does it mean to be a community how does that what does that look like how do we constantly exclude people from that space and how is that happening all the time and why is that happening and sort of breaking down those barriers of the queer community and what that actually means um because i think that i came in potentially with a more, um, I don't know, maybe naive view in my own head about that. And I think it was really valuable to sort of really have that challenged. Um, And I think that that's something that's really stuck with me and that I keep thinking about in different ways and about how the queer community, whatever you want to call it, I don't think it really exists. You know, I increasingly just don't see it existing as a a homogenous blob in many ways, um, despite all of the narratives that exist around that. Mm. Um, And how the use of family, how the the use of the term family is used as a way to... Uh, to create a connection that often isn't there. And I think, you know, we, we spoke about that in the first episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, and then we had that episode, another episode where about RuPaul's Drag Race, about the 
not the last season, but the season before when we talked about the the vixen, the the character, uh, the character, the drag queen, <laughs> who um, the drag queen who sort of there was this big fight because of and Rue sort of really sort of almost turned on her, and it kind of was like, oh, here is like the proof of exactly what we're talking, what you were talking about in terms of the notion of family and how uh, you don't behave in the way of the what a queer family should look like, and you sort of get pushed to the sidelines of it. Uh, and I think that that was something that's been interesting to watch develop in our discussions as as we've gone along the way. Well, and I think I think that was true. That stuff came up also in the conflict is not abuse uh, discussion yeah. that we had where where I think Sarah Schulman makes some some similar critiques. I think for me when I think about particularly discussions we've had where we have yeah, come from really different positions and I think like I don't know, my favorite episodes of Queers are always ones where we basically through discussion can be through disagreement, but more generally just through like talking stuff through, come to new conclusions or maybe come into it with set opinions. But by the end of it, we're like, oh shit, actually maybe this other new really cool thing that we hadn't really thought about. And one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done actually is a, a fairly recent one earlier this year was the what can you do episode The yep. it was it ended up I think we made it a two-parter in the end I think we started as a one-parter and then realized we had to do two yeah totally because the discussion was just kind of getting so big it was a discussion about the role of individuals in making structural change basically and and you know I think it's telling in some ways that over the past particularly over the past maybe 18 months of the podcast we've turned increasingly to debates in feminism in some ways. Yeah, we like, really have, yeah. More than in queer politics. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of like overlap there, but, you know, consent has been a, a really significant theme on the podcast. You know, I don't know. I, I'd be interesting maybe to reflect on why, that's, why that shift has kind of happened. But I think we've come from quite different places in terms of you – really emphasizing coalition building and solidarity as 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 a really great foundation for political change and me uh, i think thinking a lot more about not i think at the expense of those ideas of solidarity and coalition building but also thinking about you know individual self critique and and self reflection and that sort of stuff and yeah i don't know i i think that i i probably have a much more complex and nuanced view on that now and that on the ways that those things can interact i think that's really come through Mm. discussing this stuff with you to think about the ways that those two things are you know potentially in conflict but but maybe not but you know maybe maybe also can really be hand in hand to to create political change yeah and i remember that episode quite well in the the way that we that the sort of that, that it was it was probably an area I think I was having a look back at the episodes descriptions and I think in that one it was uh, the description said it's the it's the the most we've ever disagreed <laughs> um, and I think it's I think it's true and I think it's interesting like we were talking about in particular I think that was about sort of men changing their behaviour in relation to sexual assault and 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 sexual violence, against women, and the, yeah. violence mm. against women and that kind of stuff and I think that it's it's interesting I think. To uh, to look out look outside the sort of queer space the 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 so called you know I think this obviously is relevant in the queer space as well to see how how those sorts of debates influence the politics that we have uh, and 
I think we probably would still disagree on some of that stuff, but I agree as well that it's been useful to like engage in those conversations and to try and nuance it. I always feel like, I don't know, in my in my academic world, it's kind of, there's a, the constant incorporation of different arguments to nuance your own position. And I think that mm. that's a really valuable thing to be doing. And it's something that doesn't happen a lot in, um, in, you know, if we're looking at, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about online, about social media on this podcast as well. Mm. Uh, you know, there's none of that, that, a lot of that doesn't happen in those spaces where it's, it's, you know, this is my position, I'm just going to stick to it and I'll never incorporate your own other people's positions to, 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 or think about it or see how I can incorporate elements of that. And it's been really interesting to think about in that particular debate, because I do come, I do come from a very, I think, a different perspective to you, to, to, to you in many ways, but mm. like thinking about how, okay, Okay, so for me, you know, thinking about the sort of grand coalition building type stuff and solidarity work and thinking about how processes of self-critique and self-engagement, part, a part of that has been really valuable for me um, and has been a really interesting way to think about those questions. And it's interesting, it's good and interesting to hear that you're sort of the same on the other side in many ways. Like, and that's, that's quite nice incorporation of different each other's arguments into our own sort of positions is very, is a very nice thing to be able to do. Totally. I felt I felt like I was um, channeling you in queer reading group last week. Actually, in that we were having a discussion about. Uh, actually, it's a topic you you would be quite interested in: like queer ecology and so kind of queerness oh, yeah. and and environmentalism. We we read two different articles that were like coming from completely different perspectives. One of them was like a, a very sort of queer theory, like queering nature type thing. Like, let's how how can we kind of look to nature to to deconstruct the ways that it's been framed in like heteronormative ways. Yeah. Uh, but then the other one was basically about how can we use LGBTI political structures and movements to address uh, climate change. Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of fascinating with that second article that, you know, it, 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 I, I found it frustrating in lots of ways because it, there were all these sort of appeals to like neoliberal economics, basically, like basically arguing that we should fight against climate change because queers tend to be lower socioeconomic status and they'll suffer more from from the effects of climate change. But it was this very sort of individualist almost approach or Mm, self-interested approach. But then I was kind of like, look, yeah, some of that stuff doesn't sit well with me, but ultimately these people are arguing (laughs) that we should use queer political platforms to fight for this cause that's really good and so maybe who cares? Like maybe, you know, that they're ultimately invested in solidarity and coalition building is great and to some degree I should just take that at face value. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Oh, that's a, I, I, I'm going to have to read the article before I really... Yeah, totally. I, mean, I, mean, I, think it's, I didn't, I think I didn't it's, mean to bring a, a whole no, lot of... No, 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 I think it's, because I think it's fascinating because... So much of my perspective. Anyway, we shouldn't dive into this into too much depth. But so much, so much of my perspective of um, the sort of individual versus collective stuff comes from a background in, in working in, in environmentalism and climate change, mm. in where the climate change movement has spent a, has spent a lot of time talking about individual actions, uh, and it's achieved, in my view, nothing or very little. Um, and because you know, the sort of, and I'm talking about like very specific individuals, like drive less, take take fuel flights, change your light bulbs, that kind of bullshit. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I think that it's interesting thinking about that because it's such a specific thing that people can do to reduce their impact, blah, 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 blah. But how it's sort of, there's all this evidence about how it sort of actually has negative effects. It makes people feel impotent. It makes people feel like they can't achieve anything because their, their, their influence is so little by changing a light bulb. Mm. Um, and 
I, that has really influenced my positioning when it comes to a lot of these other things around which it, in which the cases are often sometimes more complex, you know, when it comes to like uh, violence against women, for example, or homophobia, all those kinds of things. And it's like, it's, it's important to remember where that comes from, but also to think about how it's different for different spaces. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting to hear you bring that up in the, in this context. Cause I think that like it may, it can also be different for different, different contexts in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I was looking over the, the list of things that I, that stood out to me from episodes we've recorded and, and themes that I think we've really returned to again and again. And I think some of the most interesting stuff for me is around the idea of what queerness is and what queer politics is and the value of queer politics. I, th- I think a lot about a comment that Helen Razor made when we interviewed her. I think she was our first, our first interview on the podcast she where was, she basically yeah. was like, I can't remember if she, how, exactly how she put it, but she basically said queer politics is only valuable in the ways that it brings people into kind of anti-capitalist politics and movements more generally. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I agree with her, but I do think that thinking about the utility of queerness as an idea and as a politics is really interesting like one of my favorite episodes we did was Andrew Garfield's Queer Utopia, where we talked about like what a kind of utopian vision for the kinds of politics that we're interested in in relation to queerness might look like. And then we did an episode as well, which I think was the first episode we, it was very early on. It was in our, in our first maybe six months. And I reckon it was the first episode we did that I really felt like pushed us to somewhere new uh, which was the imagined political queer, which was really just trying to think about in a really basic way if queerness is even a thing in terms of a way to describe a group of people and what does that mean and what is the utility of that both from a political sense but also from a, a personal sense. So that to me has been a, a, a really interesting theme, I guess, across the across the past four years of the podcast. Yeah, and I think it's something that for me has changed quite a lot as well in the sense that I think that if I was going back in time or if I was to redo this podcast now, I would not be sure how I'd use the term queer or I'd be using it very differently to how I was when we first started this. Mm, and. Uh, I think this for is, me... This is that Jared Bartle's influence, isn't it? Yeah, oh, no, it's not his influence. It's <laughs> most, gosh. Um, it, but, it, but for me, it's like I, I, I identify with it less. I don't... I, and, it's, and it's because of the... And it's not because I think that... I think the term still has heaps of value, uh, and, I, and, I, and I still like it a lot, but I think that my perspective of it has changed and it's changed around the different ways that it gets gets used by the quote-unquote queer community. And I think Mm. that there's a difference between... And what, where I was, I was just thinking about this in terms of what you're saying about Helen Razor's comments. And I think that there's a difference between, uh, the sort of queerness as an identity versus queerness as a political practice. Sure. Uh, And I am less inclined uh, to see queerness as my identity uh, now because I think that there's a lot of queerness as identity that I don't actually enjoy very much uh, versus queerness as a political practice. 
And uh, so I think if you were to ask me now, uh, compared to four years ago, how I identify my sexuality, I'd be much more inclined to say gay. Uh, whereas I would think about sort of potential queer political practice uh, that can be much more interesting. And I think that that has changed across the, t- the, the time of the podcast uh, in many different ways. Uh, and it's been interesting to have those conversations and to have that sort of be a theme that keeps popping back in and out, because I think that has certainly influenced how I've thought about the podcast, but also how I thought about this sort of politics and how I use that term. I very much came in at the same, at the time, sort of identifying as queer and seeing that as a, as a, as a way forward. And I don't necessarily see that anymore as a way forward. I think that the challenging of our own identities and the challenging of how we think about sexual identities and then how we separate the identity from the political practice, I think is a really been a really interesting way of engaging in the conversation. Mm. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improves definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yeah, gosh, I, it kind of makes me think about the question of not just how my political views might have changed over the course of the podcast, but just my kind of views on my on myself, you know, and my my experience of sexuality and and I think yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like I'm also increasingly ing- embracing gay not just as an identity term but as a kind of political position there's something oh that yeah I, quite, I agree with that too yeah. that i quite like about it's i don't know queer has become so mushy like it, it 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 feels like it just doesn't mean very much anymore and i think even when it is used in the way that it was you know like i guess in the queer theory sense of of that critique and undermining and you know tearing a part of foundations and those sorts of things i don't know like i i do think i think that there's a lot of value in that and i and i i think it's a really important part of not just politics but of sort of being in the world is to to question things and question yourself and question the world in those ways but i also can get frustrated with the ways that i don't think people often do a good job of connecting that to anything beyond almost like abstract thought experiments like like what is that what do those ideas kind of mean in the world i think is a well, I, th- is a- I think it doesn't do enough like i think that it's so this is where you know going back to what i was just saying before i think that there's i see a value in a queer political practice but i don't think it i think i see a value but i don't see enough of like an entirety of a value and i think that 
Um, it doesn't do enough in the sense that it does it does the critique for us, but it doesn't take us to the what what else to the where next kind of space. And and you can look at this. You know, I was just thinking about one of the the critiques I have of a lot of sort of queer political practice at the moment is that it is only engaged in critique. It is only we're only engaged in a telling everybody how they're doing things terribly kind of space uh, where uh, any attempt to to for people to do things, particularly people who aren't queer enough to sort of engage mm. in this sort of politics are immediately critiqued told that they're not doing it right there's always some sort of new way of not doing things right and i think we've had these conversations quite a bit in the podcast about example examples we've seen online where people have been really quickly pushed out because they used the wrong term or they used the Mm, wrong they did the wrong thing and there's no productive capacity in that there's no like what can we do well how can we work together well where do we sit together well where's the solidarity what's the outcomes we want to achieve etc etc that engages in that and i think that uh, the critique that queerness brings, that the that a queer theory brings, that a queer politics brings is really valuable and the sort of constant challenging is really useful. But I struggle with that when it's when it when it becomes the only thing. Totally. Uh, and, and I guess like I'm not sure that that's necessary. like I think in, in It's not practice, necessarily true of queer yeah, theory, right? Yeah, like, totally. But, but, but it's, even... it's, it's a practice that is, I think it's a practice of how it's occurring. You know, when you said queer's a bit mushy, I think that it's often how you know there's the difference between the, the 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 way it's thought of thought of and the way it acts acts out in real life yeah sure but the, the, though i do i do think that that challenge is also in some ways inherent to the theory like i guess i hold out some hope that yeah i don't know I, like i think that that's a really worthwhile thing to keep thinking about and to to keep working on is like what is the political utility of of queer theory and and queerness? Is I mean maybe there's not very much. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's that thing of separating out it being used badly and its inherent potential. Yep. And I yeah, yeah and I, really I don't. I guess I don't have an answer to that. No, I don't think I have an answer to that either. And it's, I, I think that maybe, I mean, this is sort of, that has been a running theme of the podcast is that we, you know, every time things just get more complex than we want them to. Uh, and <laughs> I think I probably came into this podcast having, you know, we chose the name Queers as a, like I, I came in with a very optimistic view of that potential, of that term, of that language, of that politics of all of that stuff. And I think that I've come out with a much more mushy, complex thought process that sort of really goes, oh, there's so much of this that I I like. There's so much of it I dislike. I just don't know how to merge those things together. How do we engage with that? I'm much less, I'm not less optimistic, but I think I'm less, uh, like I think I'm much, I've I've got a much more complex- Less yeah. sure, yeah. Less sure is actually the best term in terms of what I. I'm. A, I'm. I'm a sort of. I feel like I'm a naturally optimistic person, uh, which is valuable uh, for me. I like it, but. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, but I think that I'm definitely much less sure about, particularly about the the sort of the queer politics nature of it and what that looks like, and you know, and and a sort of that's where I'm swinging back to sort of well, was the potential in something like gay politics, and what is that difference, and how do we. Can we incorporate some of those, those positive things as well? What would, would we call the podcast now? Like gay bows? Um... <laughs> Sydney gays. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, despite the fact that only one of us lives in Sydney and I'm not yeah. from here. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> Sorry, that's that was me. <laughs> so I think uh, another question that we were interested in reflecting on 
uh, in this discussion was like we, we've talked a lot about how we've changed, I guess, and about how our thinking has changed. I mean, four years is in some ways not a long time, but I think given the pace, the increasing pace at which political discourse changes through, you know, I, th- I think driven by like online spaces, for example, do you think that just, I mean, God, I'm hedging in a million ways, but are discussions around queerness and queer issues, have have they changed significantly in the past four years? I guess specifically in the kinds of spaces that we inhabit. I think they have. I mean, I think they. I think it's inevitable that they have. I think there's been one, like in Australia, there's been like really one very major event that's happened, or maybe two major events that's happened over the time that we've been doing this podcast. Uh, the first being the safe schools debate mm, that sort of yeah. that was a kind of running theme that happened during the podcast, and the second one, obviously, being the marriage equality um, postal survey and the sort of passage of marriage equality legislation here. And I think that. There's no doubt in my mind that that in Australia has changed a lot of queer politics. Both of those mm. events have changed a yeah, lot of queer agree. politics. Uh, you know, and we've talked about this a lot in the podcast. I think that there's a much more uh, sort of vulnerability-focused politics that's happening now, a lot more victim politics. I hate using that term because it's such a right-wing term, but I think it's true to an extent. The sort of and I, And I feel like it's actually since the Marriage Equality Survey, um, it's made queer politics in many ways for me, much more reactive and much more and a little bit lost, like at the moment in Australia, mm. in, in the Australian context. I don't know, you know, it's, 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 it's there's, there seems to be less of a uh, sort of forward thinking, what could the, the world look like approach and much more of a reactive to attacks, whether they're real or perceived uh, attacks that are happening. And that's kind of my very, that's my very downcast view of it at this at this point in time of the sort of specific politics that are happening. Um, but I think that that has certainly happened across the four years we've been doing this. Mm. Yeah, I'd broadly agree with that. I, I, I don't, I think I have a much less clear picture of how, yeah, it's funny. When I was looking back over the, what we've done over the past four years, interestingly, I, I feel like when the podcast, when we were trying to grapple with both of those events as they were happening, but but marriage equality in particular, it's I I think that's almost when the podcast was the most challenging for us. Like I look back at those times and yeah, I I think it's when I mean I don't know I don't want to speak for you, but from my perspective, it's almost when we were most unsure about what we were doing and the value of the work and. I don't know, I, I just remember, and we, again, we also talked about this on the podcast at the time, I remember just feeling so alienated during the marriage equality de- debate, mm. just feeling like I was not a part of whatever the imaginary queer community or LGBTI community that was fighting for this thing was, despite attempts to to be a part of it and, and, and to campaign and, and that sort of thing, and... Yeah, I don't know. That was really challenging. But I also think that something that the podcast has demonstrated and I think the past few years has demonstrated in these political discussions is that our people are out there. I mean, people listen to this podcast. We get amazing feedback. We get really insightful engagement. And I do think, uh, you know, like uh, uh, there's that famous saying, 
that every political movement generates its counter movement and and maybe the dominance of these of vulnerability politics of of uh, homo nationalism of uh, respectability politics, we are starting to see more, and and uh, and and we are a part of that, I guess. Yeah, we're st- we're starting to see a counter politics. I don't want to say emerging because I think it's always been there, but but getting louder and 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 finding a more cohesive voice and being listened to, and and that gives me that gives me hope. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I hundred percent agree with that. So I think that there's my downcast view. And then there's my more optimistic view, which is the seeing the people who are engaging with this sort of content, and not just our content, but I think I see it popping up all the time. This sort of similar critiques, and I mean, I think that the the uh, the critiques of identity politics, the critiques of respectability politics that we've been making, you see that re- replicated across so many different places. And I and I see this, and for me, it's always the conversations with the people you don't expect, like the, you know, when you have a conversation with someone and you start engaging with this and you're like, oh, should I be careful about my own critiques? And then suddenly they're sort of launching into their, into something that's very similar. And like, oh, okay, so there are people who have similar concerns and similar discussions. And it's, you're not sort of, we're not talking to a void here. There's actually a whole range of people who have similar concerns. And I think it's it's nice to recognize that and, to, and that, gives, that certainly gives me hope. Yeah, I agree. So maybe maybe we should just finish off with one like I mean we're coming to the end of our last episode but I think it's it's nice to, it's been really nice to reflect on the conversations um, but Ben maybe we should ask like getting to the end what do you think was the point of doing this what have we achieved <laughs> you know has have we achieved anything it, did did we need to did we need to achieve anything uh what was the point of this I mean I guess the very personal answer is that. I have found it in, in, incredibly valuable and probably needed an outlet for having these sorts of discussions. I, I felt when we started this, I mean, we literally started this podcast because we both of us were independently looking for these kinds of discussions and couldn't find them. And yeah, I don't know. I, I like I, I do just still totally believe through this and through the queer reading group and through other things that I do in the value of of discussion and the, the generative power of talking things through and debating and and disagreeing. And I think that I mean it's just literally been good for me, for my thinking, for for getting to know you. I mean that's all that's all good stuff, I think. In terms of broader achievements, obviously I am so wary of not just being super modest about how we talk about this, but I would like to think that we have participated in or, or been really part of opening a bit of a door to these kinds of discussions and, and maybe, like, again, trying really hard not to say... There are, there are lots of other people doing this kind of work, right? But I I think and I hope that we've played a part in normalizing critique, normalizing debate and discussion and providing an alternative way to think about the sorts of issues that we discuss. And I have no real idea of the impact that we've made on on any on the people that, no, like that you listen never to do, us or anything, right? but I hope that we have had fun. Yeah, I think that it's I mean it's it's always the challenge with this kind of stuff and you know, I feel this all the time with my work. 
uh, that it's it's you know with the academic work, and I'm sure you feel this sort of similar in, in the comms work that you do. Uh, that there's always this challenge of like, what, how can how on how on earth can we understand the impact that you're having? Mm. Like, there's this. I mean, in academia, there's this constant talk about impact, and nobody actually knows how to measure it or what it means. And so, yeah, we can't say, look, this is a here is a concrete goal we've achieved. But I do agree that I hopefully hopefully we've played a part in these conversations. And if we've played a part in these conversations, and that has been valuable in and of itself, we're not the only ones. It's not like we came out and were the first people to say this stuff or to to engage in this in this kind of way. But I think more people doing it, the better. And so yeah, if I we're agree. If we're doing it, then I hope other people are doing it too, and and we can engage in that, and we can work to you know, and and be part of that sort of ongoing conversation. And I think that we're in a stage where the world needs, hopefully, more of this kind of stuff. Where we need to be moving away from the sort of very black and white thinking mm, that yeah. I think that often exists in our world. And so I'm quite happy to be part of that process. And if we've done it with us, you know. With a small group of people who are our listenership, I'm happy that they're that sort of they're being part of that process. And I think you're right. We've had some really amazing feedback, uh, and that has been worth it for me. Whenever we get that feedback, whenever we get those comments, that has always been worth it for me. And so that is enough. Um, and then obviously the sort of relationship we've built has been worth it for me too. So I think that all these things come together. Um, it's been quite nice. Um, and you know we've done we've done a little bit. You know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also something that I think is really important to both of our practices, I guess, if you can call it that, is is that at the same time that we are having these discussions, we're also living in the world and, and doing other things. I mean, both of us are, you know, fairly active in activism in different ways, where we're both fairly involved in different communities, and, and I think that not only... I think there's a real symbiotic relationship between those two things, and I, I almost think you you need you need to have both. I, I think it would be a problem if we were just sitting here and being kind of armchair philosophers and and or armchair critics and not actually engaged in the kinds of stuff that we're talking about. But I I think both of us try really hard to 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 put our money where our mouths are and to be a part of the world and and to me that's there's no point doing one without the other right oh yeah and i think that if we you know it'd be really odd you know we were talking before about the the nature of critique and the sort of limits of critique Mm. when we talk about queer politics and it would be really odd to be like here is all these limits of critique uh, we need to be we're doing things productively and being proactive about things and then not to do that ourselves and like yeah, that'd be we can't, <laughs> yeah we kind of sit here and critique the sort of the nature of what what's happening in queer politics and then try and not and not try and be engaged in it and sometimes I feel like I'm not engaged as much as I'd like to be um, with a whole range of different politics because I mean there's so many different things I'd like to be involved in um, but I think it's important to be constantly striving for that and to being to being proactive and being involved and to being engaged and to to, to doing that kind of stuff and I think that it's really important to be doing so like I just I, I've always thought the people who the you know the theorists I love the best are always the ones who are also actively engaged 
in a day-to-day life, right? And mm, yeah. that's the kind of, you know, whenever I think about my academic work, it's all, I, I'm just thinking about that now. It's often the people who were engaged in politics that also, I think, have, bring out the best of the theories. And so we have to keep doing that. You can't just sit and be armchair philosophers. It doesn't, it, it just, it's sort of, you know, I don't, you know, sitting in ivory towers doing this kind of stuff is not, is not the way I want to do it. Yep, agreed. Do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Thank you, everyone. This is kind of weird to do this last little uh, wrap-up segment now. Uh, we want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's subscribed on Patreon. It, it, we, we kind of had all these uh, ideas for it and, and dreams for it, and obviously a lot of that hasn't come to pass, but, but we cannot stress how much we have valued the people that have financially supported us on there. It has meant so much, not just materially, but also in terms of I don't know, it's morale, I guess, to know to know that that people are, are willing to do that. We will be shutting it down basically when we release this, but you can, uh, you you know, you you'll still. I, I don't actually know what happens to a Patreon page once once you close it down, but um, I'm assuming that you'll still get access. I'll double check that. Yeah, totally. So so you should still be able to access the bonus episodes on there, uh, and and obviously, I mean, we're not closing down any of our channels i'd say that we might be a bit slower in getting to responses but i think we can we're not always super quick at getting back to people anyway so maybe it won't make much of a difference um you can email us uh of course at uh oh no that now i'm stepping on your toes you can still get in touch with us i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah you will keep the email account open so that's queerspodcast at gmail.com and i think for the moment we'll keep the facebook twitter and instagram open as well that's yeah sure. podcast yeah. i mean we'll certainly be posting details about these episodes and then we'll just see how we're going along the way uh but uh if and when those slow down we still have our personal social media accounts I'm on Twitter at Simon Copland and on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer and Ben is on Twitter at Ben C. Riley. The podcast is going to stay on our website as well, so it'll still be accessible through uh, Apple Podcasts and and Spotify and all of those places. Lip Media, our really excellent podcast network, we, we can't stress enough how fantastic they've been and how supportive Dan there has been for everything that we've done he's just been fantastic to work with and you should check out all their shows and all of that uh and they've very generously offered to continue hosting the episode so so those those will all still be available and if you stay subscribed to the feed uh who knows you know we might finally get to interview Sarah Shulman or Christos Chokas or, oh, or another one of our heroes and then this is as as good a platform as any to to do that and to put that up. So so stay subscribed and and uh I don't know, Simon and I might also just kind of something will happen and we'll go, fuck, we can't not talk about this. Uh keep an eye out there. And if you do that, you know, review and rate it. We we think that we've put a lot of good work out over the past four years. This is episode 64 i think but on top of on top of that you know all the interviews and bonus things i think there's upwards of uh you know 75 or so uh, episodes up there and it would be great if people continued to listen to those so so please do still tell people about it and and uh recommend it if if there are people you think would like it and on that note i think we just have to say thank you everybody for listening thank you for being part of this conversation uh we have really, really appreciated it. Uh, and thank you to you, Ben, for, for the four years of, of great podcast making. And uh, we'll, uh, this will be the 
sort of us saying goodbye for now. As we've said, we might come back at some point in the future. But at the moment, um, yeah, goodbye and thank you very much. Oh, thanks, Simon. Thank you as well. It's, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to do this with you for the past four years. Bye, everyone. We'll see you all soon.